Hello and welcome back to From the BOL End. I'm Simon Evans. And uh, yeah, this week uh, we're taking a slightly different tone. Last week was a bit of a heavy one, analysing that uh, 5-2 defeat to Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, thanks very much for all the feedback we got on that. Uh, we got we got record numbers listening to that. I'm not sure what that tells us about Burnley fans that tune in more after a 5-2 defeat than they do, do during our pre-season <laughs> build-ups. But um, no game this weekend, so we thought it's a great opportunity to bring a special guest on. And absolutely delighted that former Burnley goalkeeper, Brian Jensen joins us uh, on this podcast together with obviously Chris Borden from the pod. And uh, we're going to get into a whole range of goalkeeping issues and also talk about Brian's career and his, his time at Burnley. So welcome to the pod, Brian. Thank you. Yeah, so just just starting off, just catch Burnley fans up with what you're up to these days. You're at Shrewsbury Town, I understand, yeah? Yeah, I'm goalkeeping coach up at Shrewsbury Town. Uh, been there a little bit over four years. So, uh, yeah, um, obviously I've been working with uh, Sam Ricketts who brought me in. And then uh, after that, uh, we had Steve Cottrell, as uh, you all know. And uh, then after that, uh, I'm working with Maddie Taylor now, as you all know as well. Right, yeah, so two ex-clarets there as well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and your keeper there is, is Marco Marossi, is that right? Was... Yeah, it is, it is. Obviously yeah. a Burnley fan himself and... Uh, Obviously, when he went from Slovakia, was living up in Burnley area. So, uh, yeah, he knows about uh, the club and uh, obviously the history of it as well. Yeah, former former player. We started off, I think, with Barn Oswick United, I think, uh, local yeah. club Burnley. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, yeah, Chris, why don't you uh, fire us off? Yeah, yeah. We just uh, so wanted to get to let's say I don't know if you've had opportunity to see. Uh, you, you know, you saw saw a bit of them last year. You. You were at the fixture launch, weren't you, early in the in the summer? But uh, yeah, we've got this obviously got this situation now where we've you know, Aaron Murich who had a terrific season last year, and uh, you know, Vinny's gone and uh, well, he, what you know, around a record transfer. Maybe you know, we don't get the figures these days, but you know, a lot of money for James Trafford, who obviously had a fabulous summer with. Uh, England uh, under twenty ones, but uh, how, yeah. how do you see that sort of contest uh, developing? Well, I've seen quite a quite a bit on on, on Trafford. Uh, obviously, they had a little trip up at uh, Atkinson. Obviously, with Bolton last year. Uh, now, listen, he's a good young goalkeeper, and uh, unfortunately, um, that's the price you have to pay for a young goalkeeper nowadays. Uh, as soon as they they get into the England setup or any international setup. And they got a little bit of quality uh, as you need in the squad, then uh, it's going to cost you. So regardless, they felt like that that was the time to do it and they had to get someone like him in. Uh, that's just unfortunate for Murich. Yeah. Are, are you surprised they sort of looked to strengthen in that department? Or is it just a case if someone like, you know, a good young goalkeeper comes available, you got you got to move? No, it's it's something they're looking at profiling. They're looking at what kind of goalkeeper they want for the squad and for the team itself. And uh, obviously, James he 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 actually suited that a little bit more than, for example, Lucas Jensen. They already that they already had in there. So obviously, they're looking into that. They're looking. It's a style of play. There's a lot of different, you know. Um, 
things that get into that there's a lot more thought process behind it it's just not like listen now he's just good at this good at that it's everyone in the football club have to be more or less the same that's how you look into profiling and uh, the C James Trafford be closest to uh, to Murich and uh, that's where the rivalry come in yeah well you see I, I can remember watching you play left back in some training in uh, in Austria under Steve Cottle but in terms of uh... You know, like your goalkeepers have to be almost like outfield players now. You're like a spare man, but uh, how, how would you have gone on in, in you know, if, if goalkeeping had developed like that See, when you were you were still really? Chris, yeah, I didn't get in goal until I was 15, so yeah. uh, mm. I, I, it, it would probably have suited me. But then when I went through AZ Alkmaar, obviously, to go into West Brom, to go into Burnley after that, when you get into the England setup and the style of play, you lose it quite a bit and quite mm. quite quickly. You know what I mean? So obviously, it was not something that you really empathised with. That we had to be good outfielders. We had to stop the football going into the net. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you have to be dominant in the box and all that. All that has changed because it's new balls. Uh, they're being whipped in. Do you really see a lot of like dominant goalkeepers going in the box and and uh, and just pick it down like cherries and stuff like that? No, you don't really see it anymore because. The balls are traveling too fast. It's, it's completely changed. And now the philosophy is obviously since the, the Fantasar and the Neue days and all that. And Johan Cruyff started at Barcelona and even before that at Ajax as well. You know, you have to be a footballer now as a goalkeeper. But then I, was st- I still believe in the good old trade that you need to stop the, the ball going into the net. You, you need to be able to play football. You need to be able to have good touches, make good decisions. Are you kicking it into short? Are you kicking it into line two or line three or whatever you need to do? Um, you need to be able to see that. And uh, that's what it's all about right now. But I can also give you a little bit of a heads up. If I'm looking for goalkeepers, uh, I am looking for that because that's a kind of a profile. It's a little bit different in mm-hmm. League One, for example, down the Shrewsbury. But we are looking for the profile you know, similar to Marco, so we spoke about him earlier, yeah. that can play football, but at the same time, you can actually stop footballs going into the net. But what we get nowadays, a lot of kids coming out of the academy, um, the old school forgotten goalkeeping stuff, It's they, they're focusing too much on that. Yeah. So you're getting goalkeepers that's either unbelievable their feet, but they can't catch a football, or they don't have that, what we say, passion to stop the ball going into the net because oh I could play a lot of football, I could do this, I could do that. And um I think you need to find the balance in between the two. And uh I think a lot of academies at the moment they're focusing a little bit too much on what is a little bit of a fashion thing. Yeah. Um and I'm still looking for a goalkeeper that can do everything. You know what I You're mean? So uh, yeah. yeah, but then if you want to have a goalkeeper that can do everything you have to buy someone an international like James Trafford, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. But I would say, you like, I mean, he's a Shrewsbury lad himself, Joe Hart, but he seemed to be a bit hard done to at Manchester City. And, you know, you obviously came to Burnley, you know, from City and, uh, you know, ended up on the on the sidelines, really, when when, when Popey was fit. But, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, you look at him at Celtic now and you think he can, he can do a job with his feet and he can do a yeah, job with course. a goalkeeper. Yeah, you know, yeah of course he can. And, and and for Joe Hart to be a Man City, you need to be able to do stuff like that. You know what I mean? You need to be able to play. You need to be able to do be a good all like overall all round goalkeeper. You need to, and that's probably one of the reasons. And no disrespect to Popey because he's done absolutely brilliantly. 
You know what I mean? But is he a style of player or style of goalkeeper that now Burnley could use? You know what I mean? Would he go to Arsenal, Pope? Would he go to Man City, Liverpool, Manchester United? You can see with David De Gea, you know, we're talking about a, a top, top, top professional who went through really, really hard times when he went to England, you know, at like 18, 19, and balls were flying in past him, you know, around his ears. He couldn't deal with the pressure. He couldn't deal with the, uh, you know, with, with the so-called dominant goalkeeper. And, the, you know, he couldn't do it, but he overcame it. You know what I mean? So he's done really, really well. But then now he's not good enough for Manchester United, hence they brought on Anna. So it's all about the profiling nowadays. Uh, if you want to play that style of football, you need to have the right goalkeeper. You need to have yeah, the right defenders yeah. as well, though, don't you? Because I think people often forget when they talk about goalkeepers being good with the feet, the first ball they're going to play, if they're that kind of goalkeeper, is out rolling it out to the central defender in front of them. If he can't play with his feet, then the whole thing's a waste of time, isn't it? Yeah, no, listen, no disrespect to any goalkeepers around, but your defenders should be better footballers than a goalkeeper. So right. if they can't do it, then you already got a little bit of a problem, don't you? You know what I mean? You have to you have to gel in together. It's not only the goalkeepers, not only the defenders. It has to be everyone. Everyone has to be on the same page. You also need strikers that can need to hold the ball up, you know, to, to bring everyone else into play. So it's it's important that you get the right personnel and the right players into the right positions. Because otherwise, you just have to go out by someone else. I see. I just I wanted to just touch a bit more on that that sort of rivalry theme that we you know, you talk about. Obviously, Trafford coming in and challenging Arrow, and you know Trafford's got the shirt at the moment. Uh, Raya's gone into Arsenal at the moment with uh, with Ramsdale there. I think uh, you know your your uh, your old mate Peter Schmeichel's sort of suggesting that they've maybe created a problem there by signing two goalkeepers of similar quality and I, I, if you bring in someone in to push someone I mean it, you're as good as anyone to teach you because know, you I mean you saw off Gabor Karai yeah. and, and, and Coiny and Diego Penny and any other number you 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 had these guys come in and you knocked them all over you know it's uh, yeah so what, what to be I, I think the thought process is a little bit different um this you know, obviously, with all the stuff that I've been through throughout my career, has something to do with obviously the opinion on the on the manager is one thing. Second thing is if you compare now Ryan and Ramsdale, there's not an outright number one. No. So no. they know whoever keeps the shirt will keep it, and that's just the way it is. But then the other one needs to actually accept that, and that's where the the complications can actually is like. Mm -hmm. uh, if Peter said that, that that could be a little bit of a problem. But before they signed Raya, I'm sure they would have told him beforehand, you're going in there to fight for the shirt. But at the moment, Ramsdale, he got it. But then you need to come clear with that. Because if you just go in and say, listen, you've got two unbelievable goalkeepers and they just have to fight for it. Well, who is the number one? Who's the number two? Well, it's whoever got the shirt at the moment. But then now the other one, you need to respect that. You need to work hard to try to get that shirt and you need to do the warm-up properly. You need to help out in training properly. Do not start all these spitting your dummies out and I want to go this, I want to do that because surely they would have told them beforehand that this is the scenario. If you eventually get the shirt, you will keep it until you don't deserve it anymore. But if they haven't, then now the complications and, and the problems could arise. And um, But I'm sure Arsenal would have done that because if you if you look at it, 
City, for example, they got an outright number one. Liverpool got an outright number one. Mm. But then saying that, then number two are not bad at all. Talking about Keller up in Liverpool, we're talking about uh, uh, what's the kid's name now down uh, down in City. I just lost the plot there, but he's as good as footballer as Edison is. Yeah. But they got an outright number one. We're down in Arsenal now. They got two outright number ones. But then there have to be some clear lines because otherwise it will create a problem at some stage. It's almost like, are you waiting for one mistake? Are you waiting for five mistakes? Are you, it's like, how do you... No, it's, you know, what, it's, what's it, it, yeah, it's not like that. It's uh, mm. what you do in training and uh, what you do in games, obviously, is the most important thing. But it's to create that pressure that mm. you can actually perform better to push the goalkeepers as much as they possible can. So, for example, as you know, with me, myself, I was always best when I was under pressure. Yeah. You know what I mean? But then if I compare my good mate, you know, Kasper, that, you know, he never really liked being under pressure. He needed to know that he's an outright number one. Yeah. And that's yeah. how he performed and that's how he got his best performances. So it's all different for different goalkeepers in different scenarios. So it's very easy to turn around and say as a manager or goalkeeping coach or whatever, that I always have to have good number twos and threes because they could push the number one. You know what I mean? And that's that's the competition that you need to have. If you've got yeah. goalkeepers in there that can't deal with that, or then don't want to deal with that, you are going to have them complications. But then it's all down to profiling the different players, the different goalkeepers. But I'm sure yeah. it's the same everywhere on the pitch. You know what I mean? You do want to have that competition everywhere if you can. You know what I mean? So uh, it's just part of the football, really. How does that dynamic work, Brian, in training, though, when you've got a situation where... You know, you're the number one keeper and then they bring somebody else in and it gets reported and talked about that, you know, this is a competition, this is a challenge, not that he's been brought in as a number two, but we've got two number ones, as people like yeah. to say. Um, you've got to train together very in very close, you know, closely with somebody. It's different from any other position in that sense, isn't it? So how, how does yeah. that... Did you Did you always find that the other keepers there was the goalkeeper's union and everyone was working together to make each other better? Or or does that tension yeah, get in there? Well, you, you have to. If, if you don't work together, it's not going to work regardless. If you start sulking and you start spitting your dummy out and all that kind of stuff, you will always have the GK union. If you have goalkeepers in there, I've heard some stories, you know, about some goalkeepers that can't deal with that and they, they were just, right. you know, if you don't do it the right way, it's going to create a problem that the football club in general, it's not going to suit the football club. It's not going to suit the players and the rest of the team if they don't do that. So how I saw it every single time was a challenge. It's a challenge for me. And every single bit that the opposition goalkeeper did, I had to do better. You know what I mean? Mm. So if he was in the gym for 10 minutes, I was there for 15, 20 minutes. If he was doing this, he was maybe if I was struggling at some stuff that he was better at, I would work my nuts off to make sure that I actually got better. At every single small-sided games, every single cross, everything, I have to beat him at every single little bit, little scenario. And it's the only thing you can do. So my motto is always with hard work pays off. So if you keep on doing that, doing that, doing that, doing that, eventually they cannot look beyond you. They have to look at you. But if you start creating problems and all that, you're just shooting yourself in the foot. And as you know, with Burnley, I felt that myself. So I can only say that out of experience that, you know, when when that happened to me and one of the worst things that ever happened to me and I shouldn't have done one of the biggest mistakes was to go on the transfer list. You know what I mean? But 
at the time, there was some stuff happening behind the lines that nobody knew about. And um, in my humble opinion at the time, it was unfair. And some of the stuff, and I didn't feel wanted, didn't feel like, didn't feel like that anyone saw me as a potential first choice. You know what I mean? And even I was working and working, working and do all the right stuff. I was never complaining. I was never spitting my dummy out. Sometimes enough is enough, but it backfired because then certainly fans don't know what's going on behind the lines. People were looking at me, oh, now he's just sulking. He's just want to leave and all that. Unfortunately, that's, that's how the football game is. You know what I mean? But they don't know what's been happening down the line, right? behind the lines. They don't know. You know what I mean? So I had to accept that. I had to listen to people um, being negative about myself and all that. But the only thing I wanted is just to look after my family and play football. Nothing else. Nothing else. And that's the only thing I wanted. And it's the only thing most people wanted. And it's the only thing most football players want. It's just to go in and enjoy your football. And at the time, I just didn't for various reasons. I don't want to go into details for that. But uh, that's just, just what it is. And I'm telling you now, it was, from my point of view, it's a, it was a mistake. I shouldn't mm. have done that. And that's why I can't recommend it to anyone because you just have to take up the fight. Sometimes, if you've done it over the years, like I did, we're not talking about, this was not like a month or two, was not, we're talking about this was years and years and years and years, and I had to dig myself out of a hole every single time. But that's where your mentality comes into it. But sometimes, you will know yourself, whatever reasons, if you're working and you're not happy and, and people keep on knocking you down, etc. sometimes enough is enough. You know, sometimes you have to stand up for yourself and say, listen, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I'm not happy. If I'm not happy, I can't perform. You know what I mean? So, but if someone just comes in and we're talking about over a year and they've been told to fight for the shirt and they don't get that chance. Well, we told you beforehand what was going to happen. If you give them yeah. clear lines beforehand, there's no problems. And you speak to them, even if they like it or not. There's no problems at all because we will accept that as players. We know it's part of the football game and especially on the goalkeeping position. I mean, Garbo Kirai was an interesting one when he came in because I spent a bit of time in Hungary, actually. So I, I knew him a little bit. I knew, he's, I knew of his career anyway. And obviously he was like absolute number one for his national team, 100 caps. Um, regular starter in the Bundesliga for several seasons, then goes to Palace, comes into Burnley. And a lot of people at that time were saying he's coming to replace the beast. You know, well, of course, that, of course uh, they did. He obviously didn't do, and you met that challenge and everything. But how did how did he react to that? Because with that sort of background of being somebody who's been number one everywhere they've been, to, to pretty much um, not always at Palace, but most of his career he was a number one. How did he react to like not getting your shirt? No, Gabba was fine. To be fair, he was a sound bloke, really, mm. really nice bloke. A little bit weird sometimes in the training sessions, some of the stuff he was doing. <laughs> I was thinking, you're an absolute lunatic, but he's an absolute sound bloke. We always helped each other uh, one way or the other, and uh, there was no problems at all. I've not had any problems with any goalkeepers because they had the shirt before me yeah. every single time. So the only thing you can do is just work hard as much as you possibly can. I want to be better in every single little detail all the way through and that's how I came through it all the time so I did everything where I possibly could for Gabor to make sure that I you know the service was right 
everything what I did to pressure him, everything would have been correct. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to kick it left, right, center because no, I have to prepare him for a football game. But then hopefully, when I, eventually I got the shirt, he would do the same to me. If you start doing all the other stuff, it's not working. Mm. It's not working. So that's why it's a strong bond that GK Union, because you have to. If you don't, if you don't do it, and you don't look after each other, and back each other up at every single opportunity, and work hard together and all that. Okay, my own little personal vendetta will always be: I'm going to do better than him in every single bit. Right. But it, it it is what it is. If if you don't do it the right way, it's not going to work regardless who you are. You you remember the situation with Coyne at the end of, I think it was the end of Steve's first season when he. he I think he gave you the last six games and alternated you, didn't you? You know, you played one week, Coiner the next, you the next, so on and so forth. But I don't, I don't recall seeing that before or or after, to be honest. But no, you you have to ask Steve about that. Um, <laughs> I, I, I I don't know. No, it's, it's a little bit bizarre for everyone, but it, that was the gaffer's decision, and we just accepted it. It was no, it was not a problem. Both of us wanted to have the football games, you know, one way or the other. So I don't know, was it a test to see who you felt was the best and, uh, you know, at the time, but that means from my point of view, I took it as a positive because if you looked at it, when he brought Coiny in, you know, uh, uh, because he needed someone to be, and I'd be, perf- I'd be perfectly honest with you. My first season when I was at Burnley with Stan Turner, I could be an 11 one week and I could be a two the week after. I was too inconsistent. There was too much of trying to do everyone else's job. You know what I mean? I was steaming out my goal and I was just thinking, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Looking at it afterwards and try to <laughs> try to look to, I was just like, you clown. And I was, I was being hard on myself. But then later on, when that happened with obviously Coyne and myself alternating in goal. So Steve would never have seen that when he brought Coyne in. He would have seen me as a number two. So surely I must have done something right. For him to put me back in the team once in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how I saw it. I saw it as a yeah. I saw I've gone further than he believed that the gaffer believed at the time when he brought Coiny in because he yeah. would have brought Coiny in as a number one. So obviously I'm closer to my goal. So I saw it as a positive. Yeah, and then I think uh, see Diego Penny came in for a, for a few quid from Peru and started the, the first couple of games of the season. That you know the four one on the opening day. Yeah, was he, did, he not, did he not play against Ipswich as well? Did he not? Uh, he played the first what? game. Of course, was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> first game against Sheffield Wednesday, and uh, I didn't look Him back. Him and Ramco. Get, get, <laughs> hey, get your facts right, lad. Get your facts right. <laughs> <laughs> no, Gresser played six, we know. 61. Remember Gresser? He played 61 games that season. Yeah, and yeah, I played yeah. 60. Mm. 60 games yeah, in one the... season. I mean, like I say, you forced your way in, in then, and I mean, that was, you know, you, you never look back. I mean, that season's probably, oh, well, that season and the following season, probably your best two in a, a Burnley shirt, oh, yeah. really, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. 100%, you know, uh, felt felt that, you know, that people believed in me. Obviously, you had to overcome the pre-season, and yet again, another, you know, another international goalkeeper come in, what's going to happen now, you know what I mean? And, actually thinking I was doing all right the season before, etc. And I was thinking, what is going on here? I don't have a Scooby-Doo, what's going on? But then Coyley just said, turned around at the time, I said, listen, just want you to fight for the shirt. And that's 
the only thing, well, you just told me to do what I'm best at. So, uh, yeah. mm. you know what I mean? It was just another challenge for me. So it, it didn't really bother me. The thing that bothered me the most, obviously, I didn't play that game against Sheffield Wednesday because mm. I was still hoping that I was going to start. But when you buy a goalkeeper for money, it is what it is, isn't it? You know what I mean? You have to start him. <laughs> and that's uh, probably what's happening up at Burnley right now, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. It's just, I say, you've got to, I mean, the patience. I mean, uh, like I say, some go, you talk about the Leicester situation, you know, Danny Ward, who just sat around for season on season, didn't he? You know, it's a similar yeah. thing for Wales, really, but uh, it must be hard to sort of have that patience as well. But Yeah, but you've got no choice. You signed a contract, and then if you want to go away from there, you need to sort something else out, you need to speak to the football club. But if nothing is going to happen and you don't want to go anywhere else or you want to go anywhere else but it can't happen you just have to bite the bullet you sign the contract lad you know what i mean and that's how i've seen it all the way through uh, i need to show them and unfortunately there's only one place there's only one shirt to play for as a goalkeeper there's not other there's <laughs> there's no other positions that you can play so uh, it is what it is that's why it's a little bit more difficult to understand what you're saying that you have to have a strong mentality, but you do. You're either going to take up the fight or you're going to give up. It's entirely up to you. But that will also some that will also tell you a story for wherever you're going afterwards. You know what I mean? You don't want to have that reputation that, oh, you didn't want to take up the fight. You didn't want to fight for the shirt. You know what I mean? You're a little bit of a weak link or you're a bad egg and all that kind of stuff. And that's how I saw it. And that was one of the things why I said, uh, one of the reasons why I, I regretted, obviously, going on the transfer list at the time, regardless mm -hmm. what was happening behind the lines. But I only knew that later on in life. Mm -hmm. You know, at the time, it seemed to be the right thing to do because, like I said to you, this was just not once, twice. We were talking about three, four times. Because yeah, yeah. mm -hmm. it, it only happened after Pollitt went in, didn't it? When he yeah, brought yeah. uh, my mm -hmm. Pollitt down, you know what I mean? And I was just like... How, how many times do you have to get up, you know what I mean, in the same club, uh, you know, with the same people around you and all that. And, you know, it's just, it is what it is. But nowadays, it was a learning curve for me. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and I respect yeah. what, whatever happened at the time and whoever was in charge, it doesn't matter to me. The most thing that's important to me is that I learn from it. And I cannot recommend mm -hmm. that to any goalkeepers around the world. Definitely not. Don't do it. Mm -hmm. Just stick to it and fight for the shirt. That's the only thing you can. Grind it out. Hard work will pay off in the end. If you're good enough and you believe in yourself, hey, it's just an opinion, isn't it? Yeah, it's just yeah, an opinion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. Unfortunately, it's always the boss to have that opinion and it might not go <laughs> your way. But it is an opinion. So as long as you believe in yourself, you got your own opinion that you can be good and you are better, then stick to it. That's the only thing you can do as a goalkeeper. Yeah. Brian, uh, so, so, tell us a bit how, on, about so. how, how. Tell us a little bit about how you ended up at Burnley. So you're you're at West Brom. How, how did the move to Burnley come about? Well, um, so um, obviously we had we had a promotion up at West Brom at the time. But I think we were back down in in, uh, in the Championship, and uh, my contract ran out in the summer in two thousand and three, um, and. I spoke to them in January. I wanted to stay at West Brom. I really enjoyed it there. Um, my first few years, 
didn't play as many games as I wanted, but I enjoyed it. I was comfortable. You know, I had a house down there. Uh, obviously, my wife nowadays, a new girlfriend who was living down south as well, near Worcester. Um, and uh, obviously, we really, really liked each other at the time. So I was comfortable, wanted to stay. But when I spoke to them in January, they said to me, uh, I was definitely going to get a new contract. And um, then at the chasing them up since January, when are we going to sign this contract? When are we going to do this? When are we going to do that? And it never happened. And then uh, at the player of the year, though, uh, I was told that uh, I'm only going to be like a second, third choice. And they had to, uh, and they would cut my wages in half. And I was on peanuts anyway. So I was thinking, well, you could at least have told me that in January. So I could uh, potentially, I found another move somewhere else. But um, at that time, Tranmere, Stoke and Burnley uh, came in over the summer. And uh, why I ended up at Burnley was uh, because of Stan Turnant. <laughs> simple, simple as, you know what I mean? I could have gone closer to Stoke, a little bit further up to Tranmere. But to travel all the way up to Burnley from uh, from south of Birmingham, and uh, obviously I had to move, and and but he talked me into it, and he seemed like a genuine guy, and uh, I I loved him seriously, so uh, he was the one that uh, that talked me into it, and that's how I ended up at uh, Burnley. Now, all his all his former players, oh, well I say all his former players still have that that affection for him. He, he had that effect on people, didn't he? <laughs> oh yeah, hundred percent. 100%. Obviously, you had the wrath of him a couple of times as well at the same time. You know, but yeah, tell you a little story when we played Crew away and um, we lost 3 1. And he always had an issue with, so bear in mind what I just said that my wife, um, she is an air hostess and she was based down in Birmingham. So we tried to find a house in between so she could still travel down to Birmingham. And I could still go up to Burnley. So we ended up in uh, in Congleton, so like in Cheshire. So she had about an hour and a half down to work. And on a good day, I could do my trip up there to, in an hour. But <laughs> he was always having a problem that I was living an hour away. <laughs> and he was not happy with it. But I said to him, I didn't really have a choice. I really wanted to go further up north, like north of Manchester. Let's go like to Rawdenstall or to Ramsbottom or anything like that just in between but it's too far away from the wife at the time and she was actually pregnant with jamie as well so my hands were tied a little bit and uh you know i was feeling pressure from one side and obviously from the other side but then we were playing crew and uh, he was not happy with me at the time i, I remember and he's just like and you and you you're still living three and a half day camel ride away from Burnley. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, yeah, I know, I know, but that's not really the case. <laughs> but honestly, some of the, some right. of the stuff, yeah. That's a stunism, isn't it? Um... <laughs> you know, so it's just one of them things where it's just like, yeah, okay, I get it. I say it was usually Weller and, uh, and Glenn he picked on, wasn't it? <laughs> Always, because he was the joke in the club, and. He was the joke in the club. So him and Robbie, they, uh, yeah, they, they were great lads, great lads. Some, some, yeah. good, some good times there. Oh, it's brilliant. We said we touched on the, uh, the promotion season and, and, and the Premier League, and you, you spoke about that sort of character. You say that uh, yeah. obviously Burnley, you know, Burnley have got, you know, they got promoted last year with like a mix of experience and these exciting young players, and 
we've started this season with so it's more inexperienced, you know, you know, very good players, and you can see the potential. But so it's probably a bit like Chelsea, you know, really exciting young players, but you need that like old head at times, don't you? Where's, where's the sort of character going to develop, do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah they do, but... Um, yeah, I don't know what, uh, what I can say about it. It's a process, isn't it? Mm. It's a process. So, with the team that they got and the squad they got, should stay in the league. Don't be fooled by the first lot of games here, because... When I was doing that uh, little introduction to the new season and I was up there, I knew straight away the first three, four, five games, mm. they were not going to be easy. So the key things to this, don't lose the confidence, even though you're a young player, but it's hard for a young player, for example, to keep the confidence up, to make sure that you actually believe in yourself, that you can do what you've been asked to do. Um, and that's probably the challenge for, for Vince. Is is going to be? It's definitely going to be the challenge to make sure they keep the confidence high and believe in the process, and believe in what they're doing and all the principles and all that. Then it should be good enough. But that's the key thing, and it goes all the way from the goalkeeper up to the strikers and to the substitutions, because all the players have to be involved, because there have to be rotations, and then that's why you got so many good young players there. It's because of the rotations that you need to have. But the fans and everyone else need to believe in the process because yeah. look at what they did last year. Exactly. And now they have actually built on top of that to make sure that they could cope in the, in, in the Premier League. And if they, if they survive this Premier League here this season, which I truly believe they can with the players and the squad they got, now they can move even further ahead. So, for example, if you, give the, if you look at our promotion, our promotion season, when we went into the Prem, we were just there to survive, weren't we? We were there to survive because we didn't have the depth in, in the squad. We had a lot of experienced players. We didn't have the youth. Uh, we had a good mixture of everything, but just not enough. But now there is enough. You know, th th mm. there's enough there to definitely, if you're looking at some of the teams that are potentially going to be down the bottom and you're looking on a piece of paper, so listen, you're in a good place. You're not mm. in a bad place up there. So even don't be fooled by these first few games and all that because they were always going to be a tough task. Is is that an old school thing that you sort of, you know you, you need that character? Is it just sort of you know the quality will just override everything? You think you know like I say believing in the uh, in the process and what Vinny's doing. Yeah, but if it doesn't suit the profile, they could easily go out and get someone. Let's just like. Let's just sling a name out there. Uh, you saw Johnny Evans uh, with Man United over the weekend. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean? Does he really suit the profile of what they need to have in their football team? You know what I mean? So you could get someone like him into the football team and you could say, well, you've got an experienced head on him. You know what I mean? He can do everything on the football, blah, 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 blah. But is he really that profile? Does he suit the whole team and the process? So you can look at it this way, you know what I mean? Sometimes experience not everything. If you've got the quality and you just believe in the process, the experienced thought can be from Vincent Company yeah, and the yeah. coaches. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. And as long as they believe in that process and the principles that they're slinging about in the team and stick by it, 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 it'll be all right. It'll be all right. Because that is the kind of football that you want to play when you're in the Premier League. 
hey, this was not an overnight thing, but for Vincent Company and the rest of the lads there, credit to them because to be that dominant, to get out of the championship in his first season, to change the whole philosophy of the football club and the style of play and everything up there. Come on, <laughs> come on. Yeah, you, don't, you don't see that. You, have you ever seen that, that someone being that dominant in the championship with a new manager, new people, new squad, new philosophy, new process? That has never happened. I, uh, seriously, I, I cannot go back and think since I've been over in England, has that ever happened? Has that you know, ever I think, happened? Uh... Like Tigana at uh, at Fulham. I mean, like we're going back twenty odd years, aren't we? Sort of thing. It's yeah, yeah. But then, was that was yeah. that was that his first season? I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head. But he sort yeah, of exactly. yeah, he put a put a put a team together yeah. very quickly that summer, didn't he? That you know, but but he was buying quality. He wasn't buying young lads, was he necessarily? Yeah. No, no, and he had a good squad around him already. So I'm not mm. saying that obviously Burnley didn't have a good squad around him already because he would have. Because obviously there's still some quality players there that he hasn't brought in that was there from the start. But so let's let's rephrase it then. There's not many that's done it, is there? No, 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 not at all. You know what I mean? And you know, I don't believe that Tigana went down to Fulham and changed the whole thing, mm. the whole process about it. Not in the same way as Burnley has done it, because obviously we played them twice last year. So it was a pre preseason and then in the cup as well. And uh, we knew straight away that this team, they are agile, they are athletic, you know what I mean? And they can flip and pass the ball at the same time. And they could hurt you at any moment that you just have a little blip, you know what I mean? And that's what you need because you can get away with gambling and you can concede two, three chances, let's say in the championship, you know what I mean? But you can't in the Premier League. So he's already prepared himself for it because you can see in the cup game last year when they lost to City. Different, different scenario, different story. Mm. That is against the best team in the world. First game of the season was always going to be a tough task. But don't dwell on it because there's something going on there that is what I believe in, in my humble opinion. There's some right stuff going on there. And I'm, you know, I'm still following a little bit behind the lines. And a few of my friends as well, I follow them on Facebook and all that. And there's a lot of different opinions there that it just seems to me you don't have a scooby-doo what you're talking about. Mm. <laughs> it's very rough, isn't it? it? But it's, uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, I say, people do get carried away, don't they, by results, you know, especially, you know, if you, you know, you're losing do. five. Well, that's what it is. Three, it, it's a, it's a result-based game. If you don't win, then it's always going to be a problem. But can you, can you believe, it, can you believe, yeah, the, the, I mean, the change, I'd say, from, from, I mean, Sean worked miracles, didn't he? Getting, getting Burnley into, into Europe, et cetera. The, yeah, the, yeah. the manner of Vincent and the, you know, the, the pace that he did it at last year, it's, it's different. It's training, unheard of. Yeah, it's unheard of because it was not only, it's the whole style of play. It was everything, everything, just the whole thing around the place. When I went up there, I was just like, well, Jesus Christ, what's going on? You know what I mean? It's it, No, if you're looking around the surroundings and all that, little Burnley that I came up in 2003, a proper, it's a Premier League setup now yeah. from everywhere. Yeah. And every single little department, 
You know what I mean? Getting changed in, getting changed back at the club and stuff, you know? Yeah, everything. You know what I mean? So obviously Daichi, he obviously built that up. And now mm. Vincent had taken over. So all the base, all the stuff behind the lines, like the training facilities, you know, all the food, everything was going on there. So all them basics, all them basic things that you need to have in a good football club. Daichi created that. He did. He started it and built it up all the way from scratch. And then uh, obviously company has gone in and stepped it even further. Now is the process. Now is the profiling. Now is the, how the principles are going to be played, how you want to play football. Now we need to actually get the fans to believe in what we're doing as mm-hmm. well. Because obviously with Daichi, it was a different, it's a different kettle of fish. You know, we're always well known for being a long ball team. You know what I mean? And the only thing that Burnley could win a football game was on a set play. And it was not true. They were hardworking, unbelievably hardworking, you know, and then that philosophy has always been the Burnley thing, you know, hardworking philosophy. And I felt that obviously when I was playing there, but then now hardworking and can play some good football. Yeah. Come on, we have to be happy, don't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, one thing I've always been curious about, about that first season in the Premier League when, when, when you went up with, with Coyle and then watching it as a fan from the outside, I was already living in the States by then, so I was even more on the outside, but watching it and then he leaves and goes to Bolton and, and Brian Laws comes in. And and I remember watching Brian Laws when he was in Burnley's youth team as a, as a kid and I liked him as a footballer and everything. But I was just, just on the outside, it seemed like, the heart got ripped out of that team a little bit, but when Coyle left, is, what was it like on the inside? Was 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 it was it a massive shock when you left, or did you just get on yeah. with it? You're spot on, but that's what football that's what football does. You know what I mean? Even you know at the promotion party uh, down in London, uh, we already heard a rumor down there that Coyle was going to go to Celtic. Yeah, you know what I mean. So we're walking around celebrating with our family and friends and our teammates, etc. And uh, the next thing, we're just like, wow. But there was only two teams he was going to leave for, one it's going to be Celtic or Bolton. So listen, whatever that man did for us at the time, so great, great man management. Is he, is he a, a tactical genius? No, I wouldn't say so. He was the last piece of the puzzle that we need from the various managers we had before with the team that we had. Interesting. It's just like, it's just, it just suited just suited, just we need, we, you know, with the structure and the discipline we had before, we just needed to have a little bit of a, come on, let's just play some football and enjoy ourselves, you know what I mean? We got a good squad and we got good people around us. And uh, after the first five games of that season, we were thinking, Jesus Christ, what's happening here? And then after that, we just flew, you know, to go through, you know, that far in the, in the Carling Cup and, uh, you know, with all the games that we played and... It was unbelievable. It was an unbelievable achievement. But it was just like, with him, it was just the last piece of the jigsaw. And then Burnley fans need to remember that. Obviously, there's been a lot of hurt people because he left. We were hurt as well. But unfortunately, it's part of football. And that's not... Listen, wouldn't you, if you got... Whatever you're doing now, if you, if you got a job and you could double up your wages and look after your family, come on. Oh, yeah. We, yeah. we, hey, no, we would yeah. all do that. Yeah. We would all do that. So it's it's uh, obviously from from our 
personal perspective uh, for staying. I truly believe if he stayed, then we will maybe get them extra points that we needed to stay up. But that's all speculation. There's nothing we could do about it. So whoever got an opinion on what Coyley did and could never forgive him about it, come on, grow up. <laughs> no, he gets. He gets. I've spoken to him about it. He gets a little. He's yeah. still a little bit. He's still a bit upset that Burnley fans are still upset about it. Really, of course. You know? Yeah, of course. Because what 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 he did, like I said, you know, it, it was for us as players and football club. He was the last piece of the jigsaw. That's that's how I've seen it all the way through. You know what I mean? And with the squad that we had, did we have the best squad? Did we have the best players? No, but what we had, we had togetherness. And he brought that together proper. Mm. He let us do mm. stuff that you would not believe. You know what I mean? You know, Chris, you probably heard a few mm. stories from America, etc. But it's because it was all about being together and have that camaraderie, just being, you know, the socializing. We need to be able to cope with each other and we need to be able to like each other and we need to be able to fight for each other. You know what I mean? And cover for everyone and all that. He created that environment in there. And people don't see that, don't don't know that. The only thing just that people just see is that, you know what? Ah, oh, he left. But I just <laughs> anyone it's a, would. It's anyone a sliding would, doors, you know Mom. I mean? you, you, yeah, you wonder if what's happened since would have would have happened without that that moment, that promotion. You know, it's just I mean, it was you say that the the fourth year of parachute payments when Sean got Burnley back and so on and so forth. But that was the sort of catalyst, wasn't it? That it was. But then I can tell you straight off here now, and then believe it or not, you can ask everyone, all the players, ask them. Before the last game against uh, Bristol City, mm. we won that five 0 there was not going to be any changes in the playoffs. We knew we were going to play Reading. There was no changes. Reading, yeah. mm. So I can't remember which Sheffield United play anyway, but there was not going to be no changes anyway. Yeah, press, and press uh, we knew, yeah. yeah, but we were going to go into that game and we were told, listen, the clock could go into administration if yeah. we don't uh, get promoted this year. Mm. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> we'll sort it. Don't worry, fellas. We'll, we'll get that sorted. The amount of pressure that was on there, but we couldn't have dealt yeah. with it if we didn't have Coyley to get us together. And then Gressa put us together with all the other lads, had a lot of uh, experience heads in there mm. and a lot of character in there. And uh, if we didn't have that, we wouldn't have survived anything. We wouldn't have survived the Carling Cup stuff. It's the only time I cried in football to lose in the, yeah. that game against Tottenham. And obviously when we got promoted in, uh, at Wembley, I had a little tear there as well. <laughs> but out of disappointment, really, really broke down. How we got over that hurdle to get that promotion that year, all down to the lads and the guy that was driving us. And then, yeah, yeah. That's, you know what I mean? People need to re realize that and respect that, uh, you know what I mean? And obviously, I was disappointed when he left. But come on, if I had that opportunity, I would. Chris, you would. Simon, be honest, lad. Of course you would. <laughs> I can see if, if I can make out the picture behind the uh, behind you. That's that's the penalty save, is it? Let's see. Yeah, I didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> and that was. I mean, that was just. And so the place shook that night, didn't it? it just. Oh, uh, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Even as a United fan, you know. <laughs> so uh, no, it was, it was absolutely brilliant. You know. Uh, 
you know, first home game with the crowd behind us and uh, to, well, to win to win against the champions there was just, uh, yeah, it was unbelievable. And obviously for me to have a little uh, little hand in it as well, is, uh, yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> it was very enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you had a, you had a really good rapport with the Burnley fans for most of your time there, didn't you? I mean, after after those those penalty shootout nights and everything, the crowd, you know, every time you went and took a a, a cross, there was the beast chant came yeah. out. I mean, did you, did you feel that as a player? You had a, you had a yeah, good rapport. Yeah, but I had to fight for it, like you know, because yeah. anyone that saw me in that first season, I'll be the first one to hold my hand up. I was inconsistent massively and people would have doubts straight away people would probably felt relieved <laughs> when steve Koch report coined in they would have and i'm not stupid you know what i mean I, I had to look at myself in the mirror and say listen there's only one way around this it's just to fight even harder you know so to for me to to build that up and to build the trust for the funds and uh with a relationship that i that i have with a lot of fans up there thoroughly enjoyed my time and uh you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I wouldn't change it in a million years. <laughs> That's perfect. Chris? Mm. Yeah, I've seen uh, just Obviously, you've already beaten Wade's lot this year, haven't you? It was with, uh, with Shrewsbury. Have so you got it the weekend? Yeah, yeah. He, uh, he had it on toast last year. Um, <laughs> beat us twice last year. But uh, we had them in the first game of the season. And, uh, yeah, we beat them. So, uh, that was quite delighted with that <laughs> but um <laughs> yeah no uh the good lads and uh spoke to Duff over the summer as well um quite a few times so uh no fair play to the guy you know deserves all the credit that he can have and he can get and uh the same with Wavy as well they, they, they're doing mm -hmm. some good stuff them too do you enjoy yeah, the coaching still... yeah 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 no yeah i do i do um Definitely working with Marco and with Harry Burgoyne. Um, yeah, two great lads. Um, you know, working hard and just in general, just to get uh, to pass on a lot of my knowledge. And, uh, you know, I'm learning every day. Uh, get a little bit, obviously, with uh, the new guy from Eddie Taylor. Get a little bit more responsibility. Actually, Steve last year gave me a lot of responsibility. So I'm, I'm learning the trade and learning a lot of other stuff and just goalkeeping. So, uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm enjoying the journey at the moment. Yeah, you fancy Brilliant. going, you know, being the number one on your own one day, maybe somewhere. Uh, well, manager. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you have to be <laughs> you have to be available on the phone twenty four seven, Chris. Yeah, you know what mm. I mean. Um, I'll never say never, boy. It's, no. it's not my. If the opportunity ever came, you know. I'd, no, no, <laughs> I, you know, I, 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 but you, you never know what's going to happen. But it's not, a, it's not my first priority. Definitely not. But um, what I want to do is that to coach on the on the highest level that I possibly yeah. can as a goalkeeping coach. You know, if the other stuff comes comes around at some stage, you'll never know. But it's it's not one of my priorities because. Uh, I still want a family life as well. <laughs> last, last, last question, Brian. When you look back on your time at Burnley, what what is the one memory that sticks out to you that you think like that was a brilliant night or that was a game I'll never forget? That's quite a few, quite a few. 
I think one that stands out for me personally, we could always turn around and say, oh, you know, Wembley, go always talk, uh, we could always talk about Arsenal, Carling Cup uh, game, Chelsea away and all that. But uh, from my personal perspective, I think uh, one of the games that stood out for me on a personal note was the 1-0 win at home uh, against Reading. Not in the semi-final, but actually during the season. Because it's probably one of the best games I've ever had. You know, I just it was just one that I felt like I was unbeatable. Um, we won one nil. I can't remember who scored the goal really, but we literally got <laughs> pretty much pummeled at Turf Moor, and uh, I just pulled the saves out while I was just thinking afterwards, how the beep did you do that? <laughs> you know. So from my personal perspective, there's a lot of great memories up there, but. You know, I can't deny the Arsenal game, the Chelsea. Wembley will probably always be on top because there was uh, a lot of people's dream come true, including myself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we were just talking um, about that earlier. That was a day that, that it most was, of us and, thought we'd never see. Yeah, and under, severely, under severe pressure. You know, as I've just said here now, that uh, but it was all about the team and the strong mentality we all had. You know, led by the gaffer, and obviously, uh, I have to mention Graham Alexander at the time because uh, he was absolutely immaculate. Uh, you know, the old, the old guy. Brilliant, <laughs> brilliant. Hey, thanks That's so much good. for this, Brian. It's been a really good. No, no really, really enjoyed doing that. And, no uh, problems yeah. at all. I'll go pick Sebastian up now. I got eleven minutes. <laughs> all right. Really appreciate your appreciate time. Appreciate your time. Cheers, Brian. Uh, no Cheers. problems. Speak to you soon. Take care, mate. Cheers. Bye. Jimmy McElroy to Watson.